Decepticons have been planning this for 50 years. The enemy's return is certain. They're back to start the war. It's starting! Yeah, that is a one of the many uh, TV spot trailers for Transformers 3 Dark of the Moon, which opened uh, just a few days days ago, Wednesday, a little earlier than originally planned. I think it was supposed to come out on, the, on Friday the 1st. They moved it up to the 29th of June. Michael Bay had to get a couple more days of uh, box office receipts for the holiday weekend. But anyway, welcome to Trex and Sci-Fi. I'm Rico, your host. Uh, today is July the 3rd. 2011 and this will be podcast 338 for the show we're going to be looking not at transformers really although maybe we'll do that sometime in the future i'm going to go actually and see transformers 3 later on today uh i think um i think it's going to be good i'm looking forward to it i've heard uh heard it's pretty good so far uh, from uh, other people on the forums and and a few others that i've heard who have seen it uh seem to say it's uh, a good movie uh but uh, what we are going to cover today is a TV series, a TV series that I really enjoyed a lot when it was running and, and still like to watch an episode uh, on DVD now and then. Uh, the TV show I'm talking about is called Sliders. This show, um, well, I'll talk more about the details of it, but it ran pretty much in the late 90s uh, for about five years, give or take. And we'll be talking about that, covering that, uh, some of the Behind the scenes, background, information on the characters, storylines, a little bit all about the series. Uh, Again, a show that I really enjoyed a lot for a lot of different reasons, but that will be the main topic for today's podcast. And, uh, you know, talk about a few other little, you know, bits of sci-fi news and things like that uh, at the start of the show. Got a few uh, audio comments from you guys and a whole lot more. So sit back, relax, and uh, get ready to listen to the rest, the rest, uh, the majority of treks in sci-fi. What if you could find brand new worlds right here on Earth, where anything is possible? Same planet, different dimension. I found the gateway. Welcome back to the podcast, everyone. Yeah, that was one of the intro themes to Sliders, a little preview for you. We'll be getting into that uh, later on today's podcast for Treks in Sci-Fi. Uh, it's, uh, 
it's been pretty uh, good the last couple of days here in Michigan. The weather's been uh, pretty warm. I spent some time outside yesterday working on an annoying uh, sprinkler valve problem. It seems like every summer, and I've probably said a few times in the past summers for the podcast that I'm always tinkering around with that, at least when I'm in Michigan and in town. It wasn't last summer. But I, I was actually able to replace one of the valves. wasn't too bad yesterday, even though it was uh, pretty warm outside. Uh, and uh, I always seem to recall every 4th of July weekend, too, in the Michigan area, and probably a lot of the country from what I can see on the map, a lot of the United States for us celebrating the 4th of July here, it is uh, always pretty darn warm. And uh, which, since Kaylee, our doggy, is a little scared of the noises and fireworks, it's just as well since we'll shut the house and turn on the air conditioning. We usually keep it open most of the time, but when we get into the 90s, we usually shut it. So uh, anyway, uh, so, uh, you know, just taking it easy. I actually have... Uh, Kind of a nice long weekend. Uh, the workplace uh, is got Monday off tomorrow, and I also decided to take a, a bonus little vacation day for Tuesday. So Rico, yes, has got a four-day weekend, which is well uh, much needed, and it, it's actually the longest time that I've had off in a while, probably since the Christmas holidays. So in a row, I've taken a Friday here or there off, a couple of them since I've been at the new place for a three-day weekend. But uh, four days, hey, that's one more day, right? <laughs> Uh, and for those who are not in the United States listening, well, hey, you guys have your own holidays, right, that we don't have here. So it's all good. Uh, let's get into some news stories right away here. And uh, so I'll save a little more time for the sliders talk and a few other things to cover on today's podcast. Uh, I'll cover some Trek stuff. The biggest thing, of course, to begin with to cover is uh, the inevitable discussion or, or weekly discussion about the next Star Trek movie. Uh, whatever it's going to be called, Star Trek II, which is a terrible idea. I, ho- I I really don't think they'll call it that. I don't think that it's kind of what's going on. I mean, didn't we already have a Star Trek II? Uh, you know, I, it's it, the, the only real to me answer. There's two possibilities for me of the title, what they could do. It would obviously, the, the easiest way would be Star Trek with a subtitle. Star Trek, uh, you know, the next frontier or whatever they want to call it, or maybe it involves the actual storyline so they can use a title associated with that. You know, kind of like what they've done for the other Trek movies, a lot of them, uh, Star Wars films and things like that. Or they could go the the uh, the Dark Knight route, you know, and call it just something else. You know, just give it a name. Forget the word Star Trek on it. You know, Enterprise tried to do that back in the day. Uh, with the first couple of seasons of that show, it was just called Enterprise. It wasn't called Star Trek Enterprise. Eventually, they threw the name Star Trek on it. I, I'm kind of in favor of keeping Star Trek something on it, you know, Star Trek colon something. I, I kind of like that idea, although I can kind of see the idea of just giving it a name for um, the, the title of the movie. For example, most people, you know, when they talk about the Wrath of Khan, they don't usually call it Star Trek II, the Wrath of Khan. And I think technically it originally was called just Star Trek, The Wrath of Khan. I don't think they had a two in there originally, if I recall. So uh, it's, um, you know, a lot of times when a title, like most people don't call, uh, for example, uh, when there's a subtitle on the movie for some of these things, like Star Wars, people don't call The Empire Strikes Back generally Star Wars, The Empire Strikes Back. They just call it The Empire Strikes Back or Empire Strikes Back or just Empire. Or, or ESB, if you really want to get short with it. So it's we'll see what happens with the title. Uh, it's not a really a huge, big deal. But uh, 
There is more and more rumblings, though, uh, from Paramount, uh, who, of course, is is, uh, the producers of the movie, backing it, paying for it, all that good stuff. You know, CBS handles the the television aspect and the DVDs and and Blu-rays and all that of the series Trek. But for movies, it's Paramount, and they are... Looking like they're moving some things around, getting things geared up for certain movies, another G.I. Joe movie for next summer, and and, uh, and other stuff that's making it look more and more that, you know, we're less than a year away. The the uh, proposed first date was June 29th, 2012. It was going to come out, and it's looking uh, like it's a more of a, a distant possibility or are probably not really going to happen at all that, that they're going to make that date. Uh, and, and, you know, there's been a talk I, I've mentioned on the podcast, you know, a lot of it has to do with J.J. Abrams and the writers both all being very busy. J.J., of course, has that uh, great Super 8 movie out this summer, and that kept him very busy. And to do another big, big movie by next summer is is probably going to be difficult. I, I still really predict that it will come out over the holidays of 2012. I don't think they'd push it all the way, even though I think they'd like to have it for a summer movie with the whole box office and all that. I don't think they'd really wait and push it all the way to the um, the summer of 2013. You know, that'd be four long years to, from 2009 to 2013 between uh, films for Trek. And I, it's just, I mean, I know I'm all for making the best movie possible. You know, if they take more time to do it, if that's the if that's the case, I don't. You know, I can wait, of course. However, I I think they they got a lot of good good vibes and a good press and and good reviews and people liked it for the 2009 movie and I I, I still continue to say and think that each month each year that goes by where another one doesn't come out, they're going to lose that edge a little. How much that's going to translate to the box office? I mean, if they make a, an, an awesome movie again. It'll still probably make good money, and it should be okay. But it's just a little disappointing that we're we're having to wait as long as we are. You know, I would have preferred two, maybe three years. Uh, three is usually about pushing it. I think for if you're trying to follow things up, you know, these aren't these movies are not really all that independent. They're going to use the same cast, uh, probably similar sets, a look, and all that stuff. So we're not talking about a completely different movie here. I just kind of wish they would just do film a couple together, have have come up with some really awesome, great story, film two together maybe for the next one, and have them come out, you know, maybe one in, in, in late 2012 and then maybe one about two years later or even a year later. Who knows? Uh, it's, uh, hey, if they do well and it's well made, it'll make money. Uh, I don't think people will get oversaturated even if they come out a year apart. I think that's a possibility uh, that, that people should think about. I, I don't know. It's uh, it would be great. I don't think it'll happen. <laughs> I, I I don't know if it'll ever happen with Trek. You know they do they've done that with other films, Lord of the Rings. They're doing it with the two part Hobbit. They did it with the Harry Potter, uh, the last movie where it's which is split into two parts. Which you know the second part is coming out just in a couple of weeks. So it, it's a doable thing if you think you've got the box office and, and and will get the money back. So and it certainly is easier on production end of things to do it that way. But enough about uh, the movie. A couple other things in the Trek world to talk about here. Uh, Netflix, uh, for those at least in the United States, they are uh, now showing and streaming uh, pretty much every Trek series. I guess Deep Space Nine, for some reason, is not there yet. Uh, Sometime in the next few months it'll show up. But uh, you've got Enterprise, you have the original series, 
which I think are the uh, enhanced editions. I don't think you can stream and watch the original versions. Uh, anyway, so our original extended uh, Trek, you have Next Gen, Voyager, and Enterprise. No animated series and no Deep Space Nine yet. I don't know if animated series is scheduled to happen at any time. It probably will, I would think. I think it's a great idea, actually, to put the animated series on there just because they're shorter. And, you know, if you're just watching it something on, like, an iPad or an iPhone or whatever, a uh, small little device, it, uh, you know, a 20-minute little cartoon animated Trek would be would be pretty good to, to have uh, that ability to do that from Netflix. Whether this is going to end up going to, you know, Canada and other countries that have Netflix, I know there's all these rights involved in streaming that in legal things they have to work out, uh, unfortunately. It's, uh, it's, it's more than... Uh, <laughs> I don't know. They, they sometimes I think we'll just get drowned in, in legalese and paperwork in the world. Uh, it's um, it's really kind of sad that it takes as long as it does to work all those details out. Especially you know, especially with the internet, which is sort of makes the world a little smaller place and a more universal and nice. You know that everyone can hop on the internet and go to their favorite forum or chat room or 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 Skype and whatever, and you know it really connects things. But these. You know, movies, TV, music, it's, it's just a whole big mess. You know, there's this bill in Congress, I guess. I think, I don't know if it's already made its way to Congress or where it's actually at right now. But it, it supposedly it make, is going to make possibly illegal to to just even re-embed or embed a, a YouTube video. Like you saw this cool movie trailer and you have a blog that, that you follow movies and kind of some of the stuff I do on Treks and Sci-Fi. And, and it's supposedly going to make it illegal to just take uh, the embed code, you know, and copy that to show that movie trailer or clip or whatever it happens to be or video from, a, say, a YouTube source and put it on your site because, you know, you don't have the rights to re- sort of restream that, which I think is completely ridiculous. I mean, if they really want to stop that, uh, you know, from YouTube, for example, we'll just make everything not embeddable it's possible you know there you know you you can put videos up on there and check a box that doesn't allow embedding at other sources uh, or other uh, sites and and, you know if they they really don't want that you don't need a law just tell youtube you can't do that anymore don't allow it to be embedded elsewhere i think it's silly i think it's good free advertising and good way to promote this stuff and i think it's ridiculous that that you know sites would get in trouble for anything like that but hey I'm not a lawyer. I'm not a guy who makes movies or TV shows for a living. I still think it's just a bunch of free advertising for them, and the more the merrier, you know. I think some of the time I think it has to do with them not wanting somebody on a blog to put up a post about the latest trailer to say Transformers and say, oh, that movie sucked. I, I hated it. It's terrible. And and that's that's kind of called free speech, and especially when you pay for your own little blog or website. Uh, and, and I know the Internet doesn't make, you know, we have pretty good, you know, rights and, you know, that are set up in the Constitution here for free speech. But, you know, other countries, maybe not so much. But, of course, they in other countries, in some places, especially things like China and that, they block a lot of that stuff. So uh, spinning off into a kind of a tangential, ten, tangential t- topic, yes. Hey, while, uh, while that, uh, or I'm thinking about that a little bit more. Uh, I'm going to take a break, and I'm going to come back with a couple little more stories, and then we'll get into talking about sliders. Hey! 
Hey there, once you've finished listening to the brilliant Treks in Sci-Fi with Rico Dusty, why don't you come over and check my podcast ad? We talk about classic television programs and films from around the world. We're called Waffle on Podcast, and you can find us at iTunes. Just type in Waffle on Podcast or go to our main website, that's waffleon.podbean.com. We would be honoured if you'd join us. Okay, some other stories to pass on. Uh, just kind of a, a little bit of update on, on some things coming up uh, on television, sci-fi, and uh, genre-related. We're getting uh, the new season with a lot of changes of Torchwood. That's going to be starting on the Stars channel here, at least in the U.S., and I don't know any other places to get Stars. And I don't know if you guys get that in Canada or whatever, but I'm sure in the... In the UK, you guys will have this available in some place, uh, in some way. I don't know if you can get stars over there. But anyway, this Friday, coming up on July 8th, uh, they are going to start showing this Torchwood Miracle Day. Uh, and it's a new season, and it's looking pretty cool. I, I'm liking it, uh, what I've seen so far. The premise of this first uh, uh, part of the uh, series is going to be about uh, where um, there's a day that uh, no one dies in the world that uh, they're kind of all like Captain Jack. For those that know the show, Captain Jack basically can't die. Uh, or, you know, the lead guy, John John Barrowman, Barrowmar, however you say his name, Barrowman, I think. Anyway, <laughs> the main guy, Captain Jack Harkness, uh, he, he cannot die through... I got that ability at some point, and I can't remember exactly if it was... I don't think it happened in Doctor Who. I don't know. It doesn't matter, but the point is this: this uh, on this uh, new start to the show, where they get they get to this point where that no one's dying on the on the planet, no one through medical or accidents or anything like that, uh, diseases, all that. And uh, and the the trailers that are on YouTube look pretty cool. Make sure you don't post those anywhere else, right? <laughs> but anyway, that is going to be nice to see that again. I, I was a big fan of Torchwood the seasons that they've had so far. I followed it real closely and watched them as they uh, were available, let's say. And I'm looking forward to this. We're also getting Warehouse 13 and also uh, Eureka, both coming back on Sci-Fi. I think that's starting the next week. I, I think in about a week or so. I think they're going to be on Monday nights. I don't know. Check Sci-Fi, S-Y-F-Y.com. They'll have the details there. I think, though, that it's Monday, whatever that date that'll be, the the 11th, I think, at least here again in the States. Again, uh, your listings and times and channels and things may vary wherever you're at if you're not here. Uh, but uh, that's going to be fun to have both those shows com- coming back. And Felicia Day is also going to be on, uh, I think, on, uh, I think it's Eureka, right? She's got a, a pretty... Uh, regular part on there for several episodes i think like a good part of the season not sure the total kenny of course would know i think i I thought it was about 10 episodes worth or something like that i'm not exactly sure how much of a part she'll you know how much she'll be in the episodes and and whatever but uh that's going to be fun to see uh to see her on there and uh it's just gonna be great to have those shows back i'm really looking forward to it we've also also got this new sci-fi show called alphas which is sort of like a eh, I, I guess the easy way to call it is another a, a kind of a heroes type show with four or five, maybe about four characters who all have these super um, 
you know, sort of super abilities uh, who can do different things. And uh, we'll see how that goes. It's on sci-fi, you know, we'll see. Uh, I've seen some trailers for it. I haven't seen a lot. Uh, I'll just watch it and see what I, I think of it. Uh, we've also got running right now, I think it's on, is it TNT, the channel? Uh, it's the new that new Spielberg show, Falling Skies. I've seen the pilot, uh, the two-hour pilot, and now in one episode so far. I'm enjoying it. Uh, some people seem to have mixed feelings or are not really caring for it that much. I think it's pretty good. Uh, I'm, I'm enjoying it and what they're doing with it. It's, it, you know, it's it's dealing more with the characters and their story a little bit more than you know being this action-packed, uh, whatever uh, alien invasion. That that's the basic premise: is, is these aliens have invaded Earth. It's months into this conflict. People are kind of living a very, you know, scavenger kind of existence. Society is kind of broken down a bit. A lot of people, it looks like, were killed from what you can tell. And this series is following just this small little group uh, of of soldiers and and, uh, civilians and survivors and and what they're going through in their struggles. I'm not going to say too much, but you can probably check it out for yourself. Uh, I don't know if that's available officially online anywhere. But it looks uh, it looks like so far to me a, a pretty good show. I'm enjoying it, and uh, I think that's about it television wise in the genre area that I've been uh, watching and keeping up on. Also, uh, this week uh, there was a premiere for the new Mission Impossible film. Check this out if you haven't yet. If you're a fan of these movies, especially uh, Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol, it's called. This will be the fourth Mission Impossible movie. Uh, and it's been a while since we've had one. Mission Impossible 3, the last one that was directed by J.J. Abrams, came out in 2006. This one is due late 2011. It's coming out in uh, December. Also, we've got Simon Pegg, uh, who played Scotty in the, in the Abrams uh, movie from 2009, the Abrams, Abrams Trek film. He is in this as sort of a, a tech guy. He's the tech guy that helps Tom Cruise's Ethan Hunt's character. And it looks like this is one of those storylines where their their IMF team have been sort of framed for something, and they have to sort of clear their names and then solve the problem. And there are some pretty spectacular uh, action scenes in this movie from the trailer uh, where it looks like Tom Cruise is doing some scaling of, like, that huge tall building that's in Dubai and uh, I'm pretty impressed by what I'm seeing and I've enjoyed most of the Mission Impossible movies some more than others they've always got some cool action and I think Tom Cruise does does a good job in them Uh, no matter what you think of Tom Cruise sometimes off screen he seems a little bit of a nutcase but (laughs) yeah that's it Tom I'm telling you you're a nutcase a little bit but I think uh, for his films I think he always really does a really you know, good job, puts in a lot of work on them, and, and uh, I don't really have a problem with his, uh, you know, his abilities on, on screen and film. I think, he, I think he does a, you know, a fine job, and uh, I think he's been trying some new things in the last few years, too, that I've enjoyed. So anyway, uh, Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol, which we'll get in uh, December. So that is about all I wanted to really cover. We, we've burned up about 20-plus minutes on the show already. Now it's time to get into Sliders. What if you could travel to parallel worlds, the same year, the same Earth, only different dimensions? A world where the Russians rule America, or where your dreams of being a superstar came true, or where San Francisco was a maximum security prison. My friends and I found the gateway. Now the problem is finding a way back home.
All right. We're now going to talk about the science fiction television series Sliders that ran from 1995 and ended in the year 2000. The series basically followed a group of travelers, and they used a, a wormhole uh, type of uh, you know system. Or well, we'll talk about that more as I get into the the main uh, pilot episode and that. But they used a wormhole to travel to parallel universes, parallel Earths. Uh, not to other planets, not like the gate on Stargate, not to other par- you know planets out there in the galaxy or anything like that. Always to Earth, but just to sort of an alternate Earth each time. Things would be changed slightly, sometimes really dramatically, drastically, and other times very, very uh, subtle changes and everything kind of in between. Uh, this show was created by a, a guy named Bob Weiss. It's funny because I used to work with a guy named Bob Weiss. His name was, uh, uh, or when I was at uh, the company BASF. Anyway, this was uh, Sliders was show. Uh, the show was created by Robert Weiss and Tracy Torme. And Tracy Torme, some people might recognize that name. He worked on uh, the TV show Star Trek: The Next Generation. So. Uh, it uh, also other people were working on this. John Landis had some uh, involvement. David Peckinpah, uh, Alan Barnett, Bill Dial, a few other executives. Uh, but the uh, you know the the storyline itself uh, was a pretty interesting one. I always thought, and, and a great setup uh, for a television show, in my opinion, especially for a sci-fi show for a few things and a few reasons. Uh, it was uh, mostly uh, produced the first, I should say, not mostly. Uh, the thing about this show that you'll find out as I talk about it, if you're not familiar with it, is it changed a lot over the seasons. But the first couple of seasons, they were uh, produced and filmed up in Vancouver in Canada and British Columbia. And then later, the last years, it was moved down to Los Angeles, uh, probably to save them some money. The first three seasons of Sliders, they were aired on the Fox Network. And, of course, Fox, after after three seasons, decided to cancel it. And, you know, I was actually surprised at the time when I was watching this show. I can remember when I first started watching Sliders, and I was hooked really from the pilot episode. I, I thought that the pilot the pilot episode is, is really, really well done. Uh, it, it's a great setup for the entire series, and it has some, uh, you know, great moments of character and, and just drama and, and just everything in between. And I'll, I'm going to talk a lot about the pilot. Uh, when I cover a show, I like to do that for a few reasons. One of them is, is I don't want to spoil too much for the series overall itself. I want people to just to intrigue them, especially if they've not seen the series enough to go watch it. And for those of you who have, who have seen the um, series, I just bumped the, uh, well, not the mic, but the uh, pop filter on the mic. I don't think you probably heard that. But for those, uh, you know, if you guys have seen the series, this would be just kind of a way to reminisce about it and think about it and, and maybe learn a few things you didn't know. But anyway, getting back to it aired on Fox for the first three seasons, three seasons. And like I said, from from the pilot episode, every episode in all I could think of at the time. And, and this was back in, you know, 95, 96 in that time frame. And Fox didn't quite maybe have uh, the the reputation that they've evolved to having now and uh, of basically canceling shows, you know, nearly immediately or really quickly. Uh, Firefly, yeah, I'm talking about you, uh, and, and a lot of other shows, but they didn't quite have that bad a rep then. But they, they kept uh, they kept the show on, even though the ratings were, were never really that great for this series, I don't think, even from the beginning. Uh, and it eventually moved for the last two seasons. It has a total of five seasons. Yes, it has a total of five. Some people only think it really has three, but it moved to the Sci-Fi Channel for the last two seasons. The last, uh, the last new episode actually aired um, 
in in very uh, early 2000, like uh, in February of 2000. So it's been off the air for like 11, you know, 11 or so years now. And it started, you know, almost 15, 16 years ago. So it, it always surprises me sometimes when I do these kinds of retrospective uh, shows, you know, how long. I, I always thought Sliders is a pretty recent series. And I guess it is compared to some shows that I've covered and even movies that I've covered uh, over the years in doing the podcast. So it's it's not that old at all. Uh, again, it uh, ran from 95 to, uh, to er- very early 2000. And it changed a lot over the seasons, and uh, I'll, I'll talk about that as we go. But let's talk about a little bit about the characters, and a little bit more about the initial uh, pre- uh, the sorry the initial uh, premise of the series. the uh, uh, The main character is a guy named uh, Quinn Mallory. That's his character's name. He was played by actor Jerry O'Connell. And Quinn, uh, uh, one of the big reasons that I enjoyed this show because I I, I a lot of times, characters are really what make a show for me. I've said that many times. And, and Quinn was, uh, to me at least, a very easy character for me to identify with. He's kind of this, you know, nerdy kind of computer guy, genius-ish. He's got his basement full of gear and equipment. He's tinkering with a lot of these different devices and projects. He's a little bored in class, in college that he's in. He works at a, uh, a large kind of computer-type, Best Buy-type store in the pilot episode. And uh, he he's he's just not uh, you know he's not your average everyday kind of typical uh, you know late teen early twenty year old guy that you might run into he he's much smarter than that the other thing that that made that him a little uh, you know pretty identifiable for me is that he lives uh, just with his mom his father has died or passed away you know sometime before when you meet him in the pilot and you know I I had that same situation my dad died when I was younger. Uh, my mom eventually got remarried, but I, I always kind of, you know, that always sort of affects you and changes you in a way. So anytime I've seen that situation on a TV show or a movie, it always kind of pulls me in a little bit more. And it also figures really dramatically in this series in, in a couple of different ways, the loss of his father. And I'll talk about that as uh, we continue through uh the podcast. Uh, let me go through though the rest of the characters. So you've got kind of boy genius uh, Quinn Mallory, who is the one that eventually uh, he creates the uh, the equipment and the machinery and the timer and the device to create these wormholes or this portal that allows him to slide into other parallel Earths. Uh, you've also got other characters that join him kind of on this journey. Uh, probably a, a couple of, well, at least three others that I'm going to main, mainly mention right now, and there are some other ones that eventually work their way into the show in later seasons. But you've got kind of his friend who's a girl. She's not really his girlfriend. Uh, anyway, Wade Wells, who works at, uh, at this you know computer store with him. She is uh, played by actress Sabrina Lloyd. And the, uh, you know, they have a friendly relationship. There's a little romantic tension that happens throughout the episodes in the season or the seasons as they go. Uh, But they never, you know, just, well, I don't want to say too much, but uh, they're good friends and they care about each other quite a bit. And she eventually uh, joins him on this little journey through through the wormhole to Parallel Earths. You also have... um, um, 
excuse me, <laughs> you have uh, a character, actor, and everyone knows this guy who follows Indiana Jones and other things and Lord of the Rings. John Rhys-Davies plays uh, Professor Arturo, Maximilian Arturo. He also joins them. He is uh, Quinn's uh, like physics professor at the college, his physics professor, who writes a lot of papers that that uh, Quinn reads, even though they're not like assigned reading and all that kind of stuff. And it's uh, it, they have a fun relationship. Kind of, he's sort of in a way becomes sort of a surrogate father to Quinn uh, that, uh, you know, he's this older guy. He, he He's very intelligent also, so Quinn and him can talk about the wormholes and, and the device and all this stuff and bounce ideas around. But he's, all, he's also, I think, kind of a father figure to Quinn. And then you have character, uh, the last of the original sliders, the original four, you have uh, Rembrandt Brown, Crying Man uh, Brown, and uh, he adds sort of a more human, average, everyday kind of element to to a degree to their little group. He is a singer, just a performer, and he sort of accidentally uh, joins their little group on their little journey. He's played by actor Clevant Derricks, and uh, he's a black gentleman, and, and just, I think, adds a lot of personality to the series. And uh, he's actually also... Uh, as you'll learn as I go through this a little bit more, as these uh, series changes from, especially in the later seasons, some of the uh, characters left the show and other ones popped in. But uh, Rembrandt Brown, Clevent, stayed with the show till the, till the very end. He's the only guy actually was there from the from the first episode to the last episode. So he's kind of, uh, I you know, possibly, I guess, a spoiler that way. But uh, it, it's very hard probably to talk too much about the show with talking about without talking about how the cast changes over the seasons. So there's other characters, like I said, that come in in the later seasons, in seasons three, four, five. And I'll talk about those more towards the end of the podcast. I'm not going to focus too much on that because most people feel that the first three seasons, the ones that were on Fox, especially the first couple of seasons, are the best of Sliders, and I agree with that. Uh, they had some very interesting stories. A lot of things went on that were pretty cool and, and fun to watch. And then there are other things that started to happen into season three and, and especially four and five that changed the show uh, pretty dramatically. And I think that's what kind of did them in in the very end. But I want to play a, uh, a kind of a longer clip for you right now. This will give you kind of an overview of the, the series. A couple things about this clip. Uh, it is uh, just sort of gives you an overview. It was, a, I think, a, a sort of a commercial thing that was created for the pilot episode. So you're going to hear little bits and clips from that episode. Also, the I wanted to make mention that the audio on this clip, the audio is not the greatest. Uh, I did find it online and it, it is, I guess the guy said it was, he pulled it off an old videotape that he had, uh, but it's a, it's, I think a great introduction to the series if you're not familiar with it. And it's, I think two to three minutes long, something like that. Anyway, I'm going to play it. I've tweaked the audio a little bit, probably make it a little bit better for you. You'll hear a little bit of a, a kind of a hum in the background of it slightly, uh, but I don't think it's too bad. So anyway, here is uh, sort of a commercial promo for the TV series Sliders. Good morning, Northern California. What are you doing in bed? Meet Quinn Mallory. Is that the same shirt you had on yesterday? I got to fly. In school. You're supposed to be the brightest of the bright, the best that he is. He's a dreamer. Mr. Mallory, you might at least do me the courtesy to pretend that you're listening to me. At work, he's a slacker. I'm not that late. 
The man just fires you. But in his basement laboratory... My attempt to create the world's first anti-gravity device has taken a bizarre turn. Anti-grav, uh-uh. Something else, definitely. He's a scientific genius. Oh, my God. You solved it. A parallel universe is a theoretical concept. It gets better. A lot better. You mean that we can just, like, drive through this and boom? We're on another planet? No. Same planet. Different dimension. Now, he and three unlikely friends are about to pass through a portal to a parallel dimension. I've just seen God and I could have sworn he was driving a Cadillac. Where everything is unreal. How really did things so We are strike zero a new adventure begins who are you isn't it obvious i'm you wild huh i once stepped onto an earth where there's no crime or hate no one was afraid they're quiet welcome to the revolution we're not in kansas anymore sliders you're gonna love sliding wednesday at nine eight central yeah, I think that gives you a pretty good feel uh, for the show. Sorry that the audio was uh, not as great as it could be, but I, I just thought that that was a great uh, intro and promo for the series to play for you so you can get kind of, you know, a feel for it. All right, now, uh, as we go through the uh, pilot episode, uh, it does a good job of introducing all the various characters. You meet Quinn, you meet his mother. Uh, they have a nice relationship. He's always kind of more interested in tinkering down in his basement than than going to class. And uh, we also get to meet, of course, uh, Professor Arturo uh, teaching Quinn in a scene in the um, in the pilot episode. Uh, and I, I've got a clip for that that I'll play for you in a few minutes. But I want to talk a little bit about uh, John Rhys-Davies as Professor Arturo. I, I just think it was a great uh, bit of casting here to have this very... Uh, you know, prim and proper kind of Englishman playing uh, a college professor for this sort of a bit of a rebel, kind of a crazy, you know, teenager slash young adult or whatever. Not really. I guess he's I guess you'd probably say he's about 20 years old in this in this episode in the pilot. At this point, he's in college and I don't think he's just out of high school. So the uh, but the two of them, again, get get along pretty well at first. I, uh, you know, Professor uh, Arturo doesn't think too much of Quinn, and uh, Quinn is a, a lot smarter than he really lets on in class, I think, too. But uh, but John Reese Davies does a great job with this uh, with this character, and it was kind of uh, unfortunate that eventually he does not, you know, he doesn't make it through the entire series. But that's again, I'll talk about that a little bit later on about how they changed the cast and some of the reasons behind it over the uh, seasons of the show itself. But I do have that clip that I do want to play. Uh, this is from the pilot. I think this is a, in the uh, at the college, and Quinn 
uh, is uh, listening to uh, Professor Arturo talk about, uh, well, trying to educate young minds. Mr. Mallory, I have devoted many years of my life honing my considerable intelligence so that I could impart a subject this complex with lucidity. You might at least do me the courtesy, sir, to pretend that you are listening to me. I won't even bother to ask you the answer, which is, my dear babes in the wood, you four. That's you four, Mr. Benish, not you two. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, you disappoint me. This intellectual torpor may be sufficient to earn you a job in some disaster-prone part of the world like Chernobyl or NASA, but it won't cut the mustard with me. Yeah. I should have gone to law school like my old man wanted. This relativistic quantum pop cosmology is such a mind warp. You ask me, Professor Arturo is not nearly as smart as he thinks he is. Oh, the man should be a Nobel laureate for his theory on cosmic wormholes and killer oribipodes. And I just read his thesis on chirofield anomalies. It's killer. That's not on the class list, is it? No, just a little light. Yeah, it's a good clip. I, I enjoyed that, and uh, you know, it's fun to uh, to see that uh, you know Quinn is off reading different uh, papers that Professor Arturo uh, has written, even though they're not assigned. I think that's pretty cool. <laughs> I've done that. I've, I have to admit, you know, I did that back in school sometimes. So uh, let's see. All right, the next uh, clip we'll, we'll go through some of uh, the clips for the characters in that. Uh, this one is involving Wade. I, I, I think another thing I think that's fun about this show, the other uh, thing I wanted to mention at this point, is I like the characters' names. They have uh, kind of unusual names. You've got Quinn Mallory, uh, you know, not not your average everyday kind of name for Jerry O'Connell's character. Uh, you also have Wade Wells. Uh, it, it's it's fun to say. Uh, her middle name is actually Kathleen. There's a little trivia question for you. Wade Kathleen Wells, played by Sabrina Lloyd. Uh, but, you know, she's got that, uh, you know, last name of Wells, like H.G. Wells. And Wade is, is a very unusual name, I think, too. You also have, of course, Professor Maximilian Arturo. That's an oddball name to me. And you've got Rembrandt Brown for uh, for the crying man, for the singer that joins them, played by Clevant. You know, it's... It's fun that they give characters, to me, different kind of names, unusual names in things like this just because it's, you know, it's a sci-fi show. You, you don't want to really call them, uh, you know, some simple names like Bob, Jeff, you know, whatever. I, nothing wrong with those names, but I just think it's fun to give them something a little more unusual. And, you know, it's it's it works, I think, for the show real well, too. All right, next clip. Uh, this one is, I think, with... Uh, with Wade and uh, Quinn, and at the store that they work at, and and Quinn has has discovered a little bit of a problem, and uh, this is after I think one of his first slides. So listen to this. For what? For telling him to stick his computers where? There's something really strange going on. I swear to God, that was not me. Oh, right. And I suppose now you're going to tell me that that kiss meant nothing. Kiss? Oh, my God. I kissed Hurley. No wonder I'm fired. Will you stop it? It was with me. 
And don't you dare tell me that you don't remember. But that's just it. But why would I kiss you? I, I, I mean, we're buds, right? It'd be like incest. What else did I do? I don't think that this is funny. You're right. It's not. Please, Wade, humor me. I'm losing my mind. Yeah, I'll say. You completely snapped. It's like I'm Dr. Jekyll all of a sudden. It was really great. The look on his face. Wait! Oh, look, Quinn. You better get out of here. Go home and get some rest. That brain of yours is fried. Go! Yeah, so Quinn kind of discovers that there's been maybe an alternate Quinn running around doing things uh, that, uh, you know, that he has no, you know, he didn't do it and he doesn't know about it. And this brings into the show what happens in this episode in the pilot and in, in a few other episodes throughout the series where they have this idea of doubles. They obviously, since they run into parallel Earths, they, they slide into them and they sometimes run into themselves in sort of different uh, incarnations, kind of like, for example, you know, if there's a parallel Earth and maybe there's like an old girlfriend or boyfriend that you had and on your planet, you know, you broke up with them, but maybe on this parallel uh, world, you ended up getting together with them and maybe you eventually got married or whatever. So they run into, again, sort of alternate versions of themselves that maybe went down a slightly different path. And I, I find that idea kind of fascinating, really. You know, and it, it, you know, it's just like you go through life and you make certain choices and decisions and those lead you down a certain direction. And what if you just kind of had done something a little differently? And, I, you know, you always, especially some fairly major events in your life, jobs and, and, you know, relationships and where you live and school, all those kinds of things. If one of those was just slightly different or if you'd gone to maybe school, you know, B instead of A, you know, I've the the one I always use is is at one time when I was in college, in my late in my first year at freshman at Michigan State, I was really thinking seriously of transferring to a different school. I was actually almost going to go to uh, I don't know if I've told this story before, but I was uh, accepted to go out to uh, USC in California, and I, I really at the time, and you guys probably won't be surprised, but I, I really wanted to go into. Uh, uh, filmmaking. I wanted to go, you know, basically to George Lucas's alma mater and and work on getting a degree in filmmaking and and work on making movies. And uh, I was, I just, uh, I don't know. There's a few different things that kind of made me not do that at the time. But I applied. I got accepted. I was going to transfer at the end of the first year out to USC. But if I had done that, I would not, you know, have. Uh, it was I think late in my second year, yeah, that I met Lynn at college and you know obviously eventually you know started going out and got engaged and got married and had kids and da 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 and now we come to the present but if i had transferred to usc none of that would have happened it would be i would not be here probably even talking to you like this who knows what i would be doing or where i would be you know what what my life would be like but that's what's cool about this show sliders 
is that each you know episode and each week they don't always I, I I have to keep in mind and say if you haven't seen the series it's not like every episode they're they're just always running into themselves on this parallel world and seeing you know with the different path or different life they have for themselves that happens sometimes but it probably isn't the majority of the show it just that just kind of you know, it comes and goes depending on the episode, but it is something that's, you know, a key thing to the show. And especially, I think it figures pretty prominently in the pilot and in the first few seasons, first couple seasons. But I, again, just find that idea fascinating. So, but beyond that, when they go to a parallel world, they're also seeing how the world has changed due to different things. Like what if, uh, well, coming up on the Fourth of July here, what if, what if the you know American Revolution had been lost? What if we you know we never fought back those terrible redcoats, you know, and and things had changed, and maybe this was a British colony or something like that, or whatever you'd call it in this you know in the present day? How would that have changed the way the United States is? It wouldn't be the United States, obviously, but what would this country be like? What would people be like that live here? How would there you know what what would things be like? And, you know, there's all kinds of possibilities. And, you know, the the nice thing and the cool thing about sliders is it's sort of taking the idea of Star Trek but making it a little bit easier to deal with. You don't have to fly around in a, in a starship and go to different planets and see how, you know, this planet evolved into this kind of uh, way of doing things or whatever. Where they did that on Star Trek each, you know, and especially I think in the original series and in TNG and stuff, to a degree too, where they would go to different planets. And, you know, Gene's uh, idea for Trek was always go to these Class M planets, which would be Earth-like. So he could tell stories, science fiction sort of stories, but usually about different things that uh, were things that were important to him, like race or or war or disease or hunger or whatever the, 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 the you know, thing was. Like in, in Sliders, for example... They they went to a world at one point where where um, where black people where African Americans were were herded together and, and and put into basically you know camps and things like that where basically you know there there were still sort of slavery going on in a way and I I just again find being a science fiction fan of course and reading and watching TV and movies and all this this is to me what what's great about sci-fi is you can have these other alternate ideas and worlds and 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 explore sort of some issues too in there so that's that's to me one of the great appeals of this show is just to see those different things uh, and how they've affected the world and the people there that uh, that are living there uh next clip this clip here let's get into uh this one is pretty cool. What happens is Quinn eventually realizes that there's this other Quinn around, uh, this this slider Quinn that's that's been doing things on his world and, and kind of getting him into a little bit of trouble. And he, he runs into him back at his house. And this is a key point in the pilot episode where Quinn learns a lot about sliding and that it is possible. And he also kind of, uh, well, let me just play the clip for you and then I'll come back and talk about it. That's the entrance to a wormhole that runs between worlds. When you step inside, you slide through to another universe, completely distinct and separate from your own. Can you choose your destination? Afraid not, or at least not yet. Think of a roulette wheel with an infinite number of slots, each slot representing a different planet Earth. Each time you slide, you're spinning the wheel, never knowing where the ball will come up. Quinn, tell- 
I'll call back! Sorry. I am amazed that you slid without knowing this. <laughs> I saw that old thing months ago. Now, thanks to me, you got the answer too. And you owe me big, hombre. Thanks to you, I lost my job. Computer hell? I did you a favor. That guy Hurley's a putz on every world I've been to. Amazing. Oh, I gotta go. Wife's waiting. Uh, been married now two years. <laughs> You're gonna love sliding, Quinn. I've been to a world where the Cubs have won three straight World Series. Get out. I once stepped onto an Earth just this side of paradise, where there's no pollution, no crime or hate. People were happy, and a stranger was welcomed with love. No one was afraid there, Quinn. Think about that. No one's afraid. Yeah, just uh, right at the very end, a little past the the part that I recorded for that clip, uh, Quinn does not hear a very important piece of information. And what that is, and this is what what kind of sets into motion the whole the whole series. At uh, in the early uh, stages of the pilot, Quinn is able to. Um, you know, set the timer that he's got. He's got this timer device. It's actually ba based on an old, uh, very old cell phone. <laughs> when you see this thing, I think it's an old cell phone. I'm pretty sure they use the basics of that. It's it's pretty big, uh, but uh, they, he has this timer device, and so he he slides to another parallel Earth, and he'll set it for say 30 minutes or an hour or 24 hours or whatever it happens to be. And when the time is up. That is when the the gateway will you know will appear again the wormhole and he can go back home. What he doesn't learn from his alternate is that if you advance the timer, if you get into a situation where you need to change it, like let's say you set it for six hours and you you've only been there two or three hours and you and you adjust the timer and you you make it go down to zero and you leave too early and you would you change that time that you've basically sort of scrambled the timer and what happens is it won't return you back to your real you know the we'll call it prime earth it won't return you home and that is of course what sets uh the whole series up and it's sort of in a way like quantum leap to a degree where quinn and his friends go through the portal they go through and there's something that happens after they do that that makes quinn have to change the time on the timer for them to get out of there when he does that, it it creates this, um, the vortex appears, the wormhole appears, but when they go through it, they don't go back home. They don't go back where they returned from. They just go to some random uh, place, random parallel Earth. And so they spend, basically they spend the entire series figuring out, trying to either work on the timer or work out something that will allow them to program it and allow them to get back to their home world. And that that is what uh, the show is all about, and that is what they're always focused on to get back home. And, of course, you know, if they did get back home completely, the show would be kind of over. I suppose he could, you know, Quinn could have, you know, adjusted the thing. Maybe he learned something along the way, and maybe they still go on adventures to other Earths and parallel worlds, but they can always go back home. But, you know, it makes the show, I think, more interesting that they don't have that home to go back to ever. It's not like they can go off on an adventure 
and just come back to the safety of their own planet, to the you know prime Earth and home each week. I think that ad- it gives it kind of an edge that I think is interesting. And again, just like Quantum Leap, where Sam uh, Sam Beckett, uh, played by Scott Bak- Scott Bakula on that show, where he would leap into these other lives. He couldn't really ever go back home, and that that made it sort of, uh, you know, he was kind of a hero for for what he was doing in in a way. And these characters are, and what also happens along their journeys is they sort of each week they will try to, whether it's intentionally or inadvertently, each time they they try to sort of uh, fix certain things, perhaps. Like maybe there's a world where you know. Uh, men and women are not not treated the same way there's no equality so maybe they give some people that they run into some new ideas of perhaps maybe that's you know it's not good that women are just always down there doing the housework and you know they can't vote or whatever (laughs) i don't think there was really an episode like that i know that there was one where there was a planet where there were basically all women on it hardly any men or something like that but uh but i'm just giving you an example where they these characters um each week we'll try to sort of maybe give people some new ideas to think about. And again, that's a sort of a Star Trek idea too, where, you know, Hey, forget the prime directive. This is the way it should be. <laughs> we know best. And, uh, you know, and, and, and typically it's stuff that's pretty dramatic and drastic like that, that I'm talking about. They're not saying things like, Hey, you shouldn't have married such and such. You should have been married to such and such, you know, and that, even though that pops up a little bit too. So, uh, where are we at here right now? I guess we're getting through the pilot episode, and let, let's sort of wrap that up. There is a scene, again, I think the pilot's a great introduction, and I, I wanted to mention, and this is probably just as good a place as any to mention, these shows are, I think, on Netflix. These episodes, uh, you can watch them on there. I think you can watch them on Hulu. And uh, so very easy to catch up on this. And, of course, the DVDs are out there to buy, too. Uh, so I'll just get that out there right now. we still got some things to cover, uh, but I thought I would say it. But this this clip that I'm going to play next for you, this is towards the, isn't it, at the very end of the pilot episode where they, they there's a lot of times in the, the first couple of seasons where they think they've gotten back home. Things look pretty much the same. Everything's good. Uh, but something will happen and allows them to realize they're not really back home. Something's different. People are driving on the opposite side of the road, or red lights are really green lights, or green lights are really red lights, or whatever. Sometimes it's just a very, very small thing. And what happens in this last clip, and I I really enjoy this uh, ending part of uh, the pilot episode, is there's something that's fairly dramatic that happens that, that makes Quinn realize he is not back home. So listen to this. Tomorrow. Uh-huh. Just kidding. So, crying man, you ever think about singing gospel? Girl, I haven't sung like that in 20 years. Maybe I still do in some places, huh? <laughs> so what do we do with this thing? You know, I never thought to hear myself say such a thing, but I believe we should consider destroying it. Einstein regretted that he had given the world the atom bomb. Oppenheimer, when he saw the first explosion, quoted the, the Hindu scripture... I am become Shiva, God, the destroyer of worlds. But think of the benefits. There are bound to be worlds that have outlawed war or cured cancer. And worlds where they have perfected war and developed new cancers. Maybe that's why we should keep it a secret. If I found a place that was paradise, I don't think I'd tell anybody. Well, I'd like to propose a toast to wherever you live. And whatever your struggle, 
to the revolution. And to the end of a journey. Yeah, yeah. I'm so glad to be back. I almost don't even miss my car. <laughs> Hey. Did I miss anything? Hello? Dad? What's the matter, son? You look like you've seen a ghost. Yeah, so in, you know, in that clip uh, at the very end, they're they're having this little, uh, they're sitting down at a table, having kind of a meal, uh, being happy that they're back home. They think they're back home, and then w- who walks in the door? It's uh, Quinn's dad, who in his world, his Earth, it, Quinn's father is is dead. So, you know, Quinn realizes they're not back home. Things are not right, and then that leads to them to realize that they they've got a problem each time. Uh, they, they slide out, they're going to just a random roll of the dice world. And each time they try to figure out if, it, if it's their home, a lot of times it's pretty obvious it's not Earth. But there are other times where it's it's pretty close to, to Earth. And I wanted to uh, play, I think this next clip that I've got to play for you, this is uh, maybe near the end of, I think, season two or so. Uh, this, uh, the, the, they slide back to Earth and they they end up actually right in front of like Quinn's house, and things at first look pretty similar to uh, to you know the way they should be. So listen to this, and, and then I'll come back and talk about it. It's my house. Here's the bad news. 53 seconds to the next window. If this isn't home, if we're wrong, we're stuck. I don't know, guys. I mean, according to this, O.J. Simpson was tried for a double murder. The Raiders play in Oakland. Cleveland Indians made the World Series. A lot could have happened since we left. That much? 20 seconds. All right. This gate has been squeaking since I was 12. I know the sound it makes like the back of my hand. when you put your faith in sorcerers. Well, thanks for the iced tea, Mrs. Mallory. 
I uh, trimmed the hedges and watered the lawn. Oh, and hey, let me show you what I did with the gate. All I needed was a little oil. Quinn always said he was going to fix it. Yeah, I know how much you miss him, Mrs. M. But he'll be back one day. I know he will. Yeah, so, uh, you know, the squeaking gate, uh, and they have a very short time in this case. I, I wanted to mention that, too. When they go to these different worlds, the timer will, will sort of reset itself. But it has uh, sort of a randomness to how much time they have on each world. Sometimes it's just a few minutes or few, even a, just a few seconds. And sometimes it's hours and hours. So it's, it's random. They don't always have like 10 hours or 12 hours or anything like that. And that also adds an interesting element to the show. But the, the thing that was kind of uh, interesting about this clip and kind of uh, sad in a way was that they actually were back home. They they really had made it back home. They just didn't have enough time to realize that this was their world, and they could have just stopped and stayed there. Because the other hitch to this whole thing is, if they if they don't slide when the timer runs out, they will be stuck on the uh, whatever world they're on for like 28 or 29 years, something like that, a long time. They the the wormhole sort of has to I don't know recycle around whatever that whatever it does. And they're stuck there for that length of time. They can't get off. And that is another factor that they have to deal with at different times throughout the series. Let's get into, I got to kind of wind this up. I got a couple of comments from you guys about this and then also got a collectible review to play from Brian coming up. So I want to get to that real, real soon here too. But I want to mention a couple of things at the end here about uh, the other seasons. And I said I wasn't going to spend too much time talking about them. But in... um, in season three, we brought in a new female character played by uh, Carrie Wurr. Uh, her name was Maggie Beckett. She's kind of a military uh, officer. Uh, and they she eventually joins the, the slider group for the rest of the seasons for three to five. And the uh, the other things, uh, I'm going to just kind of run down the other cast uh, members as it goes. Uh, the uh, You've also got, um, let's see... Uh, Jerry O'Connell's brother comes into uh, the uh, the series on let's see that season four as Colin Mallory, and uh, so this is it's basically Jerry or not Jerry O'Connell but Quinn's brother but on kind of a parallel Earth is what it is. So he comes in and joins them, and then you eventually have uh, another guy playing sort of an alternate Quinn Mallory uh, actor played by uh, uh, this guy's played by Robert Floyd. He is sort of an alternate Mallory because on some worlds, your double won't be exactly like you. Could be even if you're a guy, it could be a woman. If you're a woman, it could be a guy. And they also could look different than you for a variety of reasons. So he pops up in season five, this alternate Quinn. And you've also got someone named uh, Diana Davis played by Tembe Locke. And she comes in in season five, and she's kind of a scientist type. She sort of takes the place of Quinn uh, and his technical uh, genius there. There's also different characters, sort of recurring characters that appear throughout the season. 
Uh, let me tell you, though, a little bit about uh, some of the behind-the-scenes stuff about why some of the cast changes happened. Uh, again, early on, I remember I told you that the first three seasons were uh, were on the Sci-Fi Channel and were filmed up in Vancouver. The last couple seasons, they moved down to Los Angeles and were on the Sci-Fi Channel. And the first uh, actor really to leave the series was John Rhys-Davies, uh, Professor Arturo. He got kind of disappointed uh, with the show, uh, I guess, in season three. Season three, they started to do these sort of more action episodes and they sort of copied a lot of what was popular of the day i remember an episode that involved twisters when that movie twister was out at the theaters there was sort of a jurassic park type episode also jurassic park was kind of popular around that time so they 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 did these sort of one-shot episodes that were not really all that good they certainly were not up to the quality and so John Reese left the series. There's different stories about that. Some say he got actually fired uh, because of creative differences. The other, th- the other reasons behind uh, the firing, supposedly, he insulted some Fox executive at a party uh, who later went into a position that he could do something about uh, the, the actors that were hired for the series. But whatever, uh, he, uh, he ends up leaving the series at, uh, during season three. And that was about the same time Maggie comes into the show. And for a while, you have both uh, the Maggie character and Wade. You have two females along with Quinn and Rembrandt on the show. And eventually in uh, season for the last, I guess, uh, season, eventually uh, Jerry and Charlie O'Connell, both of them, the two brothers who are real-life brothers, and they you know, played sort of brothers on this series, they wanted to go off and do movies. So, uh, and, and Jerry also wanted, Jerry O'Connell, uh, who played Quinn, wanted to become an executive producer on the series. And, you know, that wasn't going over so well. So eventually they, they, uh, they just let them go. They were, uh, you know, they, they left the show, their contracts were over. So they brought in some new characters. And, uh, you know, this show, probably more than a lot of sci-fi shows that I've watched, although some do this too, probably had more changes in it in, in the seasons that went on. I'd say the first you know, two, three seasons, especially the first two, are pretty solid and don't really have a lot of these changes. But later on, these last, especially the last two seasons, a lot of things changed. I thought that season actually, you know, season four wasn't too bad. Season five, eh, pretty weak, I thought. But uh, I still watch the whole series. I enjoy it a lot. There are even some of those later episodes in the later seasons that are kind of fun, too. There was a whole ongoing story arc, too, with this um alternate sort of earth that they run into where these aliens called the Cro-Mags had sort of invaded and and taken over the planet. And that involves this uh, kind of a long-running story arc that happens in the show uh, that uh, I thought had some good moments to it and uh, and a lot of fun to see. I'm going to play another clip for you. Um, I think right now, I think I've got another... uh, Yeah, this is the, uh, the intro to the show. And uh, right after this, I'm going to play one of the audio clips from one of our listeners talking about what they think about sliders. But this is one of the later intros. I think this is Rembrandt Rembrandt Brown uh, doing the the voiceover that you hear in the series at the beginning. So listen to this little other alternate intro to sliders and then uh, one of the clips that you guys sent in talking about the show. What if you found a portal to a parallel universe? What if you could slide into a thousand different worlds where it's the same year and you're the same person, but everything else is different? 
And what if you can't find your way home? Dan here, Dangelus on the forums. I thought I'd try and get a quick comment in about Sliders because it's one of my favourite shows from the late 90s. Um, I really enjoy sci-fi and time travel stories and I thought when this came out, talking about alternate Earths, I thought it was an amazing concept. And we've seen similar things in the past with different shows but this, you know, took it to a different level I think and the cast were great. Quinn Mallory was quite a likable character, and the professor was great. and um, And I loved Rembrandt as well. He was he was a great comedy element to the show. Um, I saw I, I actually haven't watched the entire series um, for a couple of reasons, and um, it's something I need to correct pretty soon. Um, the I believe when it when it aired in the UK. I believe it aired on, um, it must have aired on terrestrial TV, on our normal network television over here, and when I watched it. Um, but I believe it got, it got moved to a, to a satellite channel, and I, I think I, I couldn't, I didn't have access to that, and I couldn't, um, couldn't watch the rest of it. And the, the other reason was because I think it sort of jumped the shark a little bit, sort of halfway through the series. Uh, when they introduced the um, the Cro-Mags uh, and that that story element, which at first was quite interesting, but I think they started to focus too much on on that side of the um, of the story, and it lost the appeal of the sort of one-off shows with um, alternate Earths and the sort of morality shows they were doing, uh, the what if sort of shows, which I really enjoyed. And um, I was looking at um, some of the information on the show and it looks like they might have gone slightly gone back to that later in the series so I need to check that out uh, but yeah it was a great show um, and I'm really glad you're doing an episode on it because I think it, it's long overdue looking forward to hearing the um, your comments and everybody else's you take care now yeah, thanks so much for your comments, Dan. Always great to hear another voice, uh, and definitely send in more for uh, for the podcast. Love to hear more from you. I, I don't know if that was your very first comment that you sent in. You may have sent another one in. Sorry if you if you have, and I, I can't recall it. But uh, after three hundred and thirty eight whatever podcasts, but anyway, Dan. Yeah, I, I agree uh, completely. You know, the first few seasons really great. Later on, yeah, it does change quite a bit. And the Chromags, like you mentioned, I forgot to say when I was talking about them. There were a couple aspects to them. They were aliens, but they also had, the Chromags also had sliding technology. They had the ability to slide as well. So that uh, involved a, a much bigger problem and a bigger issue for Quinn and his friends. It also was, if I recall correctly, and it's been a while since I've watched a few of those episodes from that season, but uh, but they were also trying to conquer, these Chromags were trying to conquer not just one Earth, but multiple parallel Earths too. So if that, I think that's the way it was going. So, yeah, and, you know, I would say the last season's got some moments in it. I mean, it's still, again, the show is fairly easy to see now. You know, it is online and streaming. I don't know if you can get that in the U.K. as well. 
but uh, and there are DVDs out. So, you know, I, I, I feel that it's, you know, worth watching some of this stuff. Some people might feel differently. I just think the show is great, and any, any, any episode of Sliders to me is better than a lot of other stuff that I see sometimes. So give it a whirl, you know, check it out, check out the whole thing. I did notice it was 29 point, I think, seven years what it was. If they didn't slide out when their timer count down, counted all the way down, they would be stuck on, on the planet. So uh, that, uh, in, in regards to that, I'll play, I'll play one more little clip here for you. And then after that, I think we've got a comment from Rick Moyer about sliders. So here's another clip from the show. I think this was about uh, uh, one of the episodes where they were where Quinn was missing for a reason or something was going on. I don't remember exactly the circumstances, but he wasn't there when the um, the timer was about to count all the way down. And the the others were trying to decide what to do, what, whether to stay or to go. And I, I think that was an important thing to show how close they had all become and how they they were not, you know, really all that willing to leave anyone behind. We have to go back and find out. Wait. There was no blood left in him now. We go, we missed a slide. Professor, we can't leave. Not if there's a chance he's alive. If we go back, we lose all hope of ever returning home. We spent 29 years here because we gambled on some miraculous breakthrough? Hey, everybody, it's Rick Moyer from Aberdeen, Washington. That's Moyer777 on the forums, and I am just so excited, Rico, that you're covering sliders. What if you could travel to parallel worlds the same year, the same Earth, only different dimensions? A world where the Russians rule America, or where your dreams of being a superstar came true, or where San Francisco was a maximum security prison. My friends and I found the gateway. Now the problem is finding a way back home. What a cool science fiction series. I remember when it first came out, Amy and I watched it, and we watched it every week thereafter. Well, I think as time went on, I I can't remember how it worked, but we watched the series, and as each season came out, we would watch. It got worse as time went on because it started not having as many of the, the good characters as it had. They replaced it with cheaper actors and stuff like that, but... Well, the premise was kind of cool. Now, of course, it was very far-fetched because every single world that they ended up on, the alternative Earth, um, usually one of them was famous or some pivotal person on the planet, which, you know, the odds of that would have been extremely slim. But anyway, you know, you kind of had to suspend belief anyway for the show. It was cool. I liked uh, the main actor in it, at least for the you know first few seasons, was Jerry O'Connell. And I thought he was really cool. I always liked him. Liked him back when he was Ultraman. And then, of course, he's played in a lot of different things, and we always thought he was a cool actor. Sliders, great, cool, fun science fiction series. 
glad it lasted as many seasons as it did. And uh, we liked it. So there you go. Thanks so much, Rico, for, for reviewing the, the series Sliders. And I hope everybody has an awesome day. I wish I would have had a song for you, but I've been so busy with all the new stuff I've been working on and, and with my uh, my business that I haven't had a chance to do that. I'll, I'll remedy that in the near future. All right, everybody. Have a great time. See you next week, Rico. Oh, and uh, iPad owners, unite. Rick, thanks for your comments. Uh, I'm just glad you had some moments to uh, take out of your uh, your pretty busy these days. Take out of your schedule to uh, send us some comments about sliders. Yeah, and the only thing I wanted to say about what you said is, that were they really always running into times where they were famous on planets? I, I remember. I mean, there was a handful of episodes. I think they did that, but I don't know if that was always. I mean, always the case. I mean, keep in mind Rembrandt, especially, was an entertainer. So, so that wasn't too. too unbelievable to me that that he would be you know um a lot more famous you know in the original prime earth he's just kind of a nightclub kind of singer not not at all uh, you know somebody that your average person on the street would know not a big big singer entertainer type character but uh but anyway yeah so i'm glad that you liked it and uh yeah the, the later seasons you're right get a little weaker but there were still some fun moments in there i wanted to say I forgot to mention when I was talking about some of the character changes and the uh, Sabrina Lloyd uh, was also uh, let go from the series. And I think primarily the biggest reason for that was they brought in Carrie Wurr uh, as a new female lead character. And, you know, I, I don't know the exact reasons, you know, why they decided to go with someone alternate like that. I think they were trying to increase the sex appeal about it a little bit. You know, I, I'd say you could probably say that Carrie is a little bit sexier than than uh, than Sabrina, uh, although that's always in the eye of the beholder, as we've been talking about uh, <laughs> on the sexy nerd girl uh, thread on the forums. So if you want to learn about that and you're not on the forums, you should join up because we've had uh, an interesting, interesting discussion about uh, somebody, uh, this girl that does this vlog uh, uh, playing uh, a nerdy girl and uh her her sex appeal let's just say so all right but sliders just a great show i i I really i could talk a lot more about it i could play a lot more clips from different episodes but i want you guys to enjoy it for yourselves and even if you've seen it you know maybe go back and enjoy it again uh netflix you know just pull up your ipad or your laptop or your computer your or your roku or whatever you use to watch it you know you Pop in an episode and watch it again. Watch the pilot. I, I I just think the pilot is a great episode to start with, and and then go from there. And even if you've seen the um, the show, I you know check that pilot out again. I I just again very impressed. I kind of went through that this morning to catch some clips and just to you know kind of refresh my memory a little bit about the show again. And uh, it it's just fantastic. A lot of fun. So sliders, a great show, great concept. Uh, and, and just uh, a, a cool uh, thing that I, I wish they do something like this again for for TV for us to, to watch. I think uh, I think it had a great uh, idea, and uh, it, they really did a good job, especially the early season. So that's all I want to say about that. And we're going to take uh, I'm going to take a short break. And while I'm taking that break, we're all going to listen to Brian talk about a new collectible that he got not too long back. And then we'll come back and wrap up today's podcast. So Brian, take it away. Uh, you shirt wonder. <laughs> Greetings, Treks and Sci-Fi fans. It's Brian calling in with another prop collectible review for you. 
And uh, before I begin, I just wanted to uh, send a little shout out here to Rico, our uh, our host of With the Most. Uh, my brother Rico, you are a very, very bad man. My fellow Treks and Sci-Fi brethren, if you're ever in a position where you're considering purchasing a prop, especially a high-end prop with a high dollar value, do not go looking to Rico for advice as to what you should do. It's not that he's going to tell you, oh yeah, go ahead, just spend the money, who cares? It's also not that he's going to say, no, 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 don't be silly, it's a waste of money, don't do that. He has this very calm, reasonable, systematic, thoughtful approach that overwhelms you with its sensibility and when in reality, all it is is a passive-aggressive way to get you to go out and buy the damn thing. So I have committed myself financially to the largest prop purchase from a dollar standpoint that I've ever made recently, thanks to <coughs> Rico's help. And uh, I will have a really, really cool prop review coming up for you all in a couple months. Uh, the item is being constructed as we speak, um, but it's going to be a good one, so stay tuned. Uh, Rico, my bank account does not thank you. Anyway, today uh, I actually wanted to review something that I also picked up recently because, like I said, I now have caught the prop collecting bug again after being a pretty big prop collector back in uh, the 2001 to 2004 time frame thereabouts. Um, Rico recently, as you all know, did a podcast covering the awesome science fiction movie Blade Runner. And Blade Runner has one of, in my mind, the coolest uh, prop weapons in a sci-fi film. That's Deckard's blaster from the movie. It doesn't get a tremendous amount of screen time, but it is damn cool. And I always wanted one, and I actually did have one back in the early 2000s, a uh, resin kit that I bought at MonstersInMotion.com. Built it up, painted it, and really enjoyed it for a while. But then when I, before I moved to Arizona, when I was selling my stuff, I sold it. And hadn't even given it a second thought until Rico does his podcast and then posts up on the forum a picture of him holding his Blade Runner blaster prop. And immediately I was on a mission. So having some familiarity with the history of this prop and available replicas out there, I went over to the replica prop forum and did a little research. And uh, I knew that there were really two or three very high-end replicas out there. One was done by a guy named uh, Rick Ross, um, and then another by a prop builder named Richard Coyle. Richard actually lives here in Phoenix, of all places, and uh, uh, I actually had an opportunity to speak with him about a week ago on the phone because um, I wanted to get a stand for the prop that I purchased. I did not purchase one of his, as again, they are they are almost a thousand dollars. And then there's a company in Japan that makes a replica of the, of the Blade Runner gun uh, that is really incredible and beautiful. And even Richard said that from an accuracy standpoint, it's the equivalent of his, which is actually based on the filming prop. Um, and from a fit and finish standpoint, it might even be a little bit better. But it sells for $1,400. So it's a pretty big financial commitment. So anyway, I uh, discovered that there's a, a manufacturer called Off-World Manufacturing that makes a Blade Runner blaster which has some metal and some resin parts, and I was interested in getting uh, a prop that had some metal so that the gun would have some weight. Because one of the things that makes this particular weapon really cool is it's very beefy, it's very bulky. I posted up some pictures of it uh, on the forum, 
and it's just it's just big. It's based on a 44 Magnum police special charter arms bulldog revolver with the uh, bolt action part on top from a, a Steyr model SL rifle. So it's basically a handgun with a rifle bolt action piece on top. Um, and the grips were changed out from the wood grips on the, uh, on the Charter Arms gun to these amber-colored resin grips that look really, really cool because they're, they're orange and the gun is black and it gives it a nice contrast. So anyway, I uh, began to scour eBay a little bit. Um, my understanding was that Off-World Manufacturing was no longer making these guns, and um, when I, the ones I came across on eBay, in general, seemed to be selling in the three to $400 range, which was definitely more than I really wanted to spend. Um, I got involved in bidding on one, and uh, as soon as the price exceeded $300, um, knowing that the guns originally, when they were offered from Offworld, were 275 I let that pass, and I lost that auction, which eventually sold for 335 Well, about a week later, uh, I was just happened to go back onto eBay, and all of a sudden showing up was a brand new from off-world manufacturing gun with a buy it now for two seventy five. So I immediately snagged it and uh, I received it this past week. So I wanted to uh, send in this little review of it. Now the base gun that off-world uses is a little bit smaller than the actual prop. Again, the prop was a 44 Magnum handgun. The uh, off-world is based off of a 38 Charter Arms Bulldog Revolver. So basically, you have a, a, a metal frame of that gun with the handle taken off, the cylinder and the barrel, and then on top of that, there is a machined metal bolt action uh, from replicating the rifle com component with actually a working bolt, so the bolt pulls up and you can pull it back a little bit, and the, uh, the Charter Arms part of the gun has a cylinder that swings out where you can actually put in dummy rounds of ammunition. I actually bought some 38 caliber dummy rounds just to stick in there, just so it look cool when you open it up and so it gives it a little bit more weight. The rest of the parts along the bottom of the gun are made of plastic and resin, mostly plastic. They're a little bit on the cheap side, but again, you buy, if you buy one of the high-end ones, they're, they're usually all metal or metal resin and they're, much, they're a little bit beefier and a little heavier. But for the, again, for the price, I can understand why these are just in molded plastic. It does have a light feature. It has a switch on the side that activates uh, two LEDs on the right and left side of the gun in front of the triggers, as well as one underneath. Um, a cool feature of this gun are the dual trigger, triggers. It has two triggers, which is, a, which is how the rifle um, came with two triggers. And I guess I get really Scott liked the way that looked, so they kept that in the prop design. So this gun has two triggers. The front one does not work. The second one does when you pull the trigger. The hammer, basically, which is hidden underneath the uh, rifle barrel uh, portion on top, will click back and fire. The cylinder doesn't turn, though, when you do that. So, but you got a, you got a prop that at least does a couple of things and has some working lights. And uh, it's, it's just, a, it's very, very cool looking. It's very heavy. It's, uh, it, it looks just like the one from the film. Um, and I am actually going to order a, um, a stand from it from Richard Coyle. He makes a stand. Um, as well as a plaque to go with it. So when I do that, I'll post some additional pictures. So uh, anyone who's out there in the market for a very unique and different looking prop, I could definitely recommend Off-World Manufacturer's uh, Blade Runner gun. And uh, again, I'm really, really happy I got the, made the purchase and I felt I got a real good deal on it. 
And like I said, uh, stay tuned because I will have a very, very exciting and interesting prop collectible coming up in a couple months to share with you all. So until then, live long and prosper, my people. Bye-bye. Ah, uh, Brian. Yes, uh, I, I am. Uh, I'm not really all that sad. I got you back into collecting some of these props, and I know you've been PMing me on the forum and telling me about your uh, what you've got going on. And uh, yeah, I, it, it, and it's also great. Just uh, see, I had, a, I had a, a secret agenda. Actually, I figured if I get you to buy some stuff, you can review it, and you know, and then send an audio to the podcast. Then I can take a little break from doing prop reviews because I've covered most of those things before. I think I actually reviewed the prop uh, blaster, uh, the Blade Runner Deckard gun, uh, the one that I've got, which I think is pretty similar to the one that you're talking about that you got. I've got, well, I don't know when I got that. Maybe it's probably at least three years ago, three, four, or maybe years ago. I have to look it up, and I kind of have sort of an idea because I take photos of stuff, or uh, when I was getting it, pretty much pretty quickly after I would get it, I would take photos so I can look at the photo and the dates and times and stuff on that, and find out when I bought it. But yeah, it's a, it's a great item. Like you said, it's a, it's a very cool, very unusual kind of uh, a weapon with the dual triggers and the little LED lights on the side. And and it, you know, when Blade Runner, Blade Runner is such a sort of a, a dark, rainy film that you don't really get a good look at it very much in the movie itself. It, you know, he, he uses it and pulls it out a few points. Probably the best time is, is when he's fighting with Roy Batty and all that. But but yeah, it's a, it's a cool prop, and, and it's kind of too bad almost in the movie that it's such a cool prop. You don't really get a good, a, a real good look at it. I didn't get a good look at it probably until I actually owned a, a replica of it. So thanks again for your review, Brian. I appreciate that, and I hope we get some more from some of that other stuff that you're gathering uh, these days. So uh, it's uh, it's always good to, could you know, just if you can do it, do it. That's what I say about this stuff. You enjoy it, enjoy it, and uh I, there is to me this is this is my art you know people correct I, I've, I've said before people collect paintings and, and art and and whatever like that well I, I collect you know prop replicas pretty much or or other kinds of things statues and and and, and collectibles in general that's my art and uh, and I enjoy it a lot so it's uh, I enjoy it a lot more than if I had probably a fancy painting on the wall from some guy that you know died a hundred years ago although I do like art I do like museums and art uh, and, and that too so Enough about that and collecting, eh? All right, we got to finish up this show. It's getting longer than I thought it would be. Uh, I'm out of here. Uh, everyone have a great 4th of July for those in the United States. Have a great time tomorrow. And I, I hope you uh, are careful if you're lighting things and setting stuff to blow up. <laughs> There's been a lot of that going on around in uh, our neighborhood, and Kaylee is not happy about it. Uh, upcoming on the podcast, to give you just a little heads up, next week on the show, I'm going to be looking at the Voyager episode, The Disease. That's kind of a Harry Kim episode. After that, the week of the 17th, we're going to do a Skype chat on Sunday that weekend, probably early afternoon Eastern time. I will set the time soon and post that up online. If you are, if you want to join in and you're not a real regular, uh, just send me an email, treksf at gmail.com, and let me know, uh, and we'll get you set up to join us on the Skype chat. We'll be talking mostly about summer movies and, and what we think of what we've seen so far. That'll be on the 17th, uh, on the 24th, a DS9 episode, If Wishes Were Horses. And then there's hopefully going to be a guest 
uh, person on the last uh, weekend of July. So that's what's upcoming on the podcast. Everyone take care. And again, happy 4th of July to my American friends or United Statesian friends, whatever you want to call it. I know people always say there's other countries in North America. You shouldn't be Americans, but Canadians are already Canadians. People down in Mexico are Mexicans. So I guess we're stuck with Americans. So that's okay with me. Everyone, have a great week. I'll talk to you again next time. Bye-bye. Dusty Podcast Production.